0: This time, our children be going to Children's Church, and we're excited about that. Uh, in fact, we're ch- excited about our children's ministry. We had a great vacation Bible school, and, and then Edda just got back uh, from summer camp uh, with the children, and uh, heard great, uh, great things happen uh, that week. I was thinking, as Bill was sharing, about skate night, and this is how we roll. And if you come on skate night, you'll find out how some people fall. So anyway, just... Uh, Sure, just think about that. Also, I just want to let you know uh, again, we have a PT with God and a couple things w- there. I want to emphasize we do pray for a missionary that we support once a month and partic- or, uh, every Sunday, but uh, particularly uh, each week we pick another missionary in the Yunes uh, who are in Thailand with Overseas Mission Fellowship. i uh, be praying for them. But we also su- suggest a prayer for the church. And this one really relates to our Wednesday night series and actually our purpose as a church in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, Paul, who you would think if, if anyone did not need prayer in a particular area, this would be Paul. But he asked the church at Colossae this. He said, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And then he says this, praying at the same time for us... This says, Paul and his companions as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So he has two requests in that prayer. One is that they would pray that he would look for the open doors and then take advantage of them, and secondly, that when he did take advantage of the open door, he would say what he needs to say in a way that people could understand. Would, would any of you maybe agree that that could be a prayer somebody could pray for you about? That you take advantage of the opportunities to, to share the good news with somebody else? And, and would it be also a prayer of your heart that you might speak clearly when you do speak? We, uh, we've been talking with people just recently. You, unless you're talking to God about people, you're probably not talking to people about God. And, and, and what a great opportunity. Maybe I don't know where, you're, where you are in your spiritual journey. Well, what a privilege it is for us to be the conduits by which God gets the message out. So make this your prayer for yourself as well as the church this week, that we might be people who take advantage of the doors that God opens to speak to others. had an opportunity this past week uh, with somebody I played pickleball, and he said, you know, I think I might come. And I'm thinking, all right, that's awesome. And just befriending him, speaking to him, and so I encourage you just to take an opportunity to ask God to use you in a way that will impact people's lives uh, for Christ. So with that, let's look to the Lord one more time in prayer as we continue on our series in the Gospel of Luke. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that it's a privilege to know you and to make you known, and wherever uh, people are this morning in their spiritual journey, we pray that you might just allow them to know you, uh, and to know you deeply and well. Or might we see this as a privilege for us to get the message out about the one who changes lives from the inside out. Uh, we thank you that You are the one who we can praise as we've praised you in song. You are the one who listens to our prayers. You are the one who wants to use our lives for an eternal purpose. And we pray as we we know the truth, the truth particularly about Jesus, that it might really uh, drive home uh, the principles of life you want us to live out. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 8. We had a great opportunity last, Lord's Day, with uh, Matt, as he shared from Luke chapter 15, he jumped ahead a little bit, but a great challenge for us to think that we are the people that uh, can relate to the, the widow who lost that coin, and when we think about things we have lost, it's not the items or the, the objects that we lose, but to realize that these are people that are lost, and we want to be those people who are excited about finding that which has been lost. Well, well this morning, we, we, begin, we continue as we look back at what Jesus has been doing. He, Jesus has been... Uh, ministering to others. He's been reaching out and re- showing who he is as well as meeting the needs of those he shows himself to. And, and one of the things I want you just, just to really sear in your heart and your, in your mind as you look at uh, one of the biographies of Jesus, which is really what the Gospels are, is that it points to the truth of who Jesus is in simple ways as well as powerful ways we'll look forward to the time in which the resurrection uh, after the crucifixion and and really you think at the heart of why we believe what we believe there's an empty tomb and how do we explain that and the best explanation of that is Jesus did what he said he would do he would raise from the dead as we look at the miraculous things that Jesus has done if if God were to become a man what would he be like he would he would be able to do the things no one else had ever done but what we also see is we look at Jesus not only the power that is in Jesus, but the passion that is in Jesus. If we really believe that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, uh, kind of borrowing from the four spiritual laws, then, then the passion of Jesus should reflect on the heart of God because he is God. And so hopefully you, uh, you really committed the idea that when, when you come to church, you're going you're gonna to get something. And ho- hopefully something of value that you're saying that this is what life is all about. Now I have the privilege of living it out the rest of the week. And when you come to church, you can get something, and hopefully it's a value. Uh, a couple of days ago, I came to church. I come to church a lot because I, I live here. No, I work here. But, but it, I, I, I checked my mailbox, and I got a letter in the mail. And I thought, okay, well, what, what, what does it have to say? And I, and I opened it up, and, and it said, uh, Mike Johnson, Grace Hills Church, and had the address of the church. And I opened it up, and it was a check. And it said, pay to, the, uh, to, issue, pay to this amount to this person, you know, and it had my name on it. And you know how much it was? $500,000. Are you excited for me? <laughs> That's awesome. I got half a million dollars. Someone sent me a check, and I, and I didn't even know who he was or she was. was $500,000. And then I read the fine print, and, <laughs> and it was, you can get a loan for $500,000, you know, at 28% interest, or whatever it was, okay, you know, sometimes you, you open up something, it looks like it's going to be value, and it's fool's gold, it's, it's not of value, but when we look at God's word, it's always valuable, it always speaks into our lives, and there is no greater subject than to look at Jesus, because that's the heart of what we're all about, if you take Jesus out of Christianity, you don't have Christianity, In fact, even in the name Christ, you take Christ out of Christianity, it's any any or whatever it is. Okay. And so what we want to look at this morning is we want to look at Jesus. And it's a very simple theme this morning. And we've been looking at various truths, observing his life. But this morning we're going to be looking at the truth about Jesus with people. And if you were to imagine God becoming man, and of course we believe that's true. It's not just imagination. Would you imagine that God would be pretty good with people? Uh, I would hope so. Uh, you know, he made us. He made us in His image. He would be a people person. Uh, but also, as we look at Jesus with people, treating people, we're also going to see people with Jesus. And you can really see a lot about a person's true character, not only how they treat people, but how they respond when people treat them. Would you agree with that? Well, we're going to see that this morning. We've got a few points that I've put in the outline, just kind of hang our hat on, and looking at the narrative. You don't really don't have to put points to narratives, but it kind of helps us to kind of get some of the things God wants us to get out of the things that we read about who He is and what He's done. But this morning, we, we want to look at how was Jesus with people, and you could also say how was, how were people with Jesus. Well, let's look at it, and we're going to back up a little bit in Luke chapter 8. We, we, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus doing the miraculous with the the man who was demon-possessed and a dramatic experience with him as he took this man who was, who was uh, unclothed, who was doing the bizarre. He would be chained, and you couldn't control him. He meets Jesus, and the dramatic was in the obvious. This man who had, it might have been little clothing, but he was a man with just everything going wrong. All of a sudden, he meets Jesus, and he's now clothed and in his right mind. And you would think, for those who knew him, and everyone knew him, because how could you not know a person like that, that's someone close in your community? You, you would think they'd be overly excited about, now we have a solution to this person we could not control and live with. In fact, we had to, we had to get him out on the outcast, so we couldn't, couldn't be around him. And, and Jesus dramatically changed his life. He's clothed in his right mind. But we're going to see that's not the reaction, and then we're going to look at the reaction of another group of people. But what do we learn about Jesus with people? First of all, we need to understand this. Jesus was sometimes rejected by all the people, and sometimes he was welcomed by all the people. Now, I, I guess what I want to say as is, is we go through this text a little bit is uh, I think we've all experienced that to a certain degree. Th- there are some people in our lives that seem to be glad that we're around, and there are other people in our lives that don't seem to be so glad that we're around. There, there are some people who welcome us into their inner circle and some people who seem to reject us, whether it's subtly or overtly. And, and Jesus had that as well. And we can just read it, obviously, in the text, in Luke chapter 8, verse 37. Uh, this is in the period or place where the demoniac was at. And all the people of the country, of the Gerizines, and the surrounding district asked him, this is Jesus, to depart from him For they were gripped with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned. So Jesus had gone across the Sea of Galilee, and that was a whole other story we looked at, as he calmed the seas with just a word. And then he calmed the storm in this person's life with just a word. And the reaction of the people were, they rejected him and said, Will you just leave? Will you get out of here? We don't want to be around you. In fact, we're fearful. If you stay, what's going to happen in our lives? And so Jesus had the message of hope. He had the good news. That's what gospel means. But they rejected him and his message. And you know, we do that at various levels. Sometimes we, we get close to Jesus, and the closer we get to Jesus, there's some things he wants to change, right? And when that happens, we want to take a step backward, and we want him to take some other step away from us. Because we, we're gripped with fear because he wants to make changes, and we don't want those changes to happen. And so collectively, the crowd sent him away. So he gets on the boat, goes on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and then we pick up the new story in verse 40. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. Now, isn't that a much more attracting reaction to Jesus? He had a crowd that rejected him, and he had a crowd that welcomed him. In fact, they were so excited about Jesus, they were waiting on the shoreline, just waiting for him, to, to return I was thinking about that and I, I was glad to see my daughter who some of you may or may not have heard but I'm going to have a third grandchild okay so she is great with child all right so th- <laughs> we're excited about that uh but I remember remembering back when when um my children were were young and I'd be I'd be away and uh and the way could be just at church doing because I normally live at church but sometimes I'll sleep at home but anyway is, is that you know I was I was away and, and uh and then when I would come, and they particularly anticipate the time I was coming, th- this was the most exciting words I could ever hear. They go, Daddy, 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 daddy's home. You know, it, it was a welcome, and, and the reason they did that, because they know I was a big play toy. You know, whatever they want to do, we'd go out and play. And, and, but it was so exciting just to have that kind of response. They were excited that I was home. And, and this is the response that Jesus received. But we need to be very aware that he didn't always get that kind of reception. There weren't always people waiting at the shore for him to come. There were some who were, who were, who were pushing him away. And, and as you look at that, when, when people push us away or when we're not, they're not, we're not welcome like we think we should be welcome, the, the initial response can be bitterness or anger or frustration. But Jesus is always prepared for the next moment with people. Some, some have said this about a window into our souls. Is that some, some people like crowds, but they don't like individuals. They don't like people. And, and some people like people, but they don't like the crowds. And as we look at Jesus, he liked both the crowds and loved the crowds, but he also loved the people. And, and so that, that, that's, that's for us to, to begin to mirror Jesus. Sometimes as we look at groups of people and they just bother us. We're finding that the groups of people didn't bother Jesus. He was out there with them. But he also had time for individuals. Well, let's move on the story. He was rejected by all, by, sometimes by all people, and sometimes he was welcomed by all people. Uh, let's read on. In verse 41, we have these words. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. Now, when you first read that sentence, you like, okay, you just think, well, here's a person who saw Jesus and, and particularly wanted his attention or his presence in his life to fix whatever needed to be fixed. But what's interesting in the background of Jairus is it says he's an official of the synagogue. And so you know a lot about his because number one, he's probably a very respected man in the community. But beyond being a respected man, he was also a person, if you were to try to make a prediction who would come out in the crowd to see Jesus or who would particularly want to speak to Jesus, he would be lower on the list. Because if you remember, the whole response, particularly to Jewish leaders to Jesus, was rejection. They did not welcome him. And in fact, in some of the other Gospels, it speaks to us that if they were somehow to embrace Jesus they would be kicked out of the synagogue and, and this was his personal identity sometimes when we ask people uh, tell me a little bit about yourself the first thing you say is what do you do mostly in your life whether it's if you're a homemaker or a mother that you might say that but if you're working you you'll immediately respond to what you do for a living and I'm sure Jairus's main identity was I, I'm an official of the synagogue I I really organize and rule everything that happens and lead everything that happens in in church you could say in the religious community, and I'm sure at that point he he was he was conflicted. I I, I need to see Jesus. We're going to find out if you haven't read the text before uh, what the need is, but it's it's against everything that's within him. Because he will now be looked down upon by the ones he so much wants to impress, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, the. The high priest, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes that are one notch above him. But he comes to him, and not only does he kind of casually, and sometimes maybe we want someone's attention, but we don't want other people to know we want their attention. You've ever had that experience? You want to do it on the sly? He, He runs to him and implores him, which is a nice way to say he began begging him. Begging him. And so this man who was most unlikely, an individual unlikely to go to see Jesus, was now humbling himself before Jesus. And everyone in the crowd saw him. Are there some things you'd rather do somewhat in private rather than in public? Because it might be a little embarrassing. I don't mean necessarily wrong, but you'd rather it's not, the spotlight is not on you. Jairus comes and the spotlight is on him. Next verse says, For he had an only daughter, and here's the need. He had an only daughter about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. N- not only did he have to do something public he wanted to do in private, not only did he have to do something that was not according to his social standing or religious standing, uh, he-, he had to fight the crowds. Anybody like to fight the crowds? I mean, just go to the Orange County Fair on the weekend, all right? I mean, just, you know, who likes to, f- or go to Disneyland anytime, all right? Who likes to fight the crowds? And sometimes that can just be an irritation, but this was more than irritation. He had a desperate need, and it was hard to get to Jesus. But we see in this story, and we'll see it as we continue on, what we see about Jesus, not only did he have to handle people, a group of people who might reject him and another group that welcome him, but he was also a person who was available and approachable and accessible to the needs of the individual in the midst of the crowd. And part of that is for us, as we, as we sometimes work with groups of people, we should never miss the individuals. And we run into individuals all the time, don't we? And we are one of them. And hopefully we understand that, that Jesus meets us not just them, but us, and he had time for the individual. But we go on in the story, and it's it's an amazing story as you, as you look what happens next, and was this a pretty pretty significant need? He had not many daughters, he had one daughter i I, I can relate to that I have. Three sons and one daughter. So I could lose two of my sons, but, you know, if I lose my daughter, I don't have any left, right? <laughs> so, Mark, you know, you're, you're no. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I mean, he had only one daughter. This was, this was desperation. And I, I've had the un... I get emotional thinking about it. The... Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't call it the privilege of being with families who've lost children... That are young. There's no greater pain to have a child who who you have so many dreams for, and you know they have dreams, and and they die young. It's a knife in the heart of the parents. As a gyrus, could care less. about what other people thought because his only child was not sick but was dying. So he presses in on Jesus and and, and Jesus meets the individual at his need but, but then something happens. Reading on, verse 43. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone, came up behind him, this is Jesus, and, and touched the f- fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said to her, who, who, is, who is the one who, who touched me? And, and and while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I'm, I'm aware that the power had gone out of me. And, and when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she... She came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason that, that she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. What do we see here with, B, with Jesus? We, we, we see Jesus could be interrupted and, and use it for great good. Now, I, I don't know about you, but... Uh, do, do interruptions irritate you? I mean, do, do sometimes people get in your space, and, and particularly if you're doing something what you consider really important, you know, listening to the, the you know, this program on TV, they got to make sure you get the dialogue right, because the, mis- no, okay, I'm not talking about something like that, but something that you are just focused on, all of a sudden, everything changed because someone interrupts you. And sometimes these interruptions that we have a tendency to curse, whether we use curse words or not, they're really not interruptions, they're, they're God appointments. And God, God wants you to change focus for a moment and, and meet the need in front of you. And if we want to look at an example for that, it's Jesus. There was an interruption and, and Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted. In fact, actually, if you look at this, not only did he allow himself to be interrupted, and since this person was trying to do it privately, he just touched the back of the cloak of Jesus and get one of the tassels, but Jesus stops and begins a conversation with his disciples and then later on with this individual. Now, as we're looking about Jesus being interrupted and doing something for good, think of of Jairus at the moment. What is Jairus thinking? We don't have what for this? We don't have time for this. Th- this. This might be important, but it's not crucial. This is not critical. This can wait. And it's interesting to look at the story. There's some interesting parallels. His daughter was how old? 12. How long has she had this hemorrhaging? Twelve. That's the same amount of time. But But one is at the beginning of life, and one is... We don't know how old, but had been in life for a period of time. It's interesting that this was, this was a, a terrible experience for this, this woman who had an ongoing bleeding experience. If you want to read the Levitical law on this, Leviticus chapter 15, 19 through 27, it was not only a painful condition and an embarrassing condition, it was. It was a condition that now made her a social and religious outcast. She she had leprosy without the disease. Her her condition was the point that she was perpetually unclean. No one could touch her or really touch anything that she sat upon or laid upon. She, She was ostracized from her family, from her friends, that she was not allowed to be in the synagogue or the temple. She was in a condition where she could never be in a public arena and experience the closeness of people worshiping God together, and she could not be involved in any social experience with family and friends to do that, which would be just fun to do. She was unclean. Now, this condition as much as anything else probably is God outlined in the Old Testament was a health issue. But also a symbolic perspective in terms of how disease is a picture of sin. And she was perpetually, continually seen as someone, probably as they began to judge her as what did you do that God would allow this to happen to you? And sometimes that's how we look at people as well. Well, You're in this condition because you must have done something horrifically wrong. It's possible they have, but sometimes people are experiencing all kinds of things that weren't based on their own choices. And and what Jesus does, he he allows himself to be interrupted. And he begins to test his disciples in the crowd because he he wants them to look at, in, in the midst of everyone touching me, everyone pressing themselves against me, everybody probably screaming out their need. To Jesus, and unlike us, where we can only hear maybe one or two or three things at the same time, He could probably hear all the voices and discern this. That's how God listens to all of our prayers. But there, there was someone who had a need and and touched Him, unlike just asking. Touched Him with faith. Touched Him with faith. To the point that we realize that when when God does something, He always knows what He's doing. Sometimes we think. The, you know, may the force be with you. And it's an impersonal force. It's not an impersonal force. Jesus said, The power has left me. The power of God is always personal. Someone has touched me with a touch of faith. And, and he calls out to her and, and asks her to declare herself, which was the last thing she wanted. But, but really, that was an act of grace and mercy of Jesus as well. He wasn't trying to do something just. Uh, you know, where people could hear and see his power and, and, and manifest it in a public arena. He did it for her sake because she could be healed, but unless that healing was made manifest, she still would be unclean because everyone would still think that she was unclean. So he calls her out and she declares why she did what she did and that she had been healed how? How? immediately. Which really speaks to the, the next point I, I simply want to make, and we're just trying to hang our hat on these, these principles, but it really, the larger picture here is that, is that Jesus in working and ministering with people would be exactly how we would imagine God. A loving God would be with people. And what he does here, he rewards true faith powerfully and completely and you could add immediately when god heals when god does the miraculous it's it's not requiring a long period of time of rehab or or recovery it it is instantaneous and it's complete And, and that's what he does but what's interesting here, and I want you to understand this, sometimes, sometimes Jesus would heal people who really had no faith. We're actually going to see this with the 12 year old. The 12 year old was dead. How much faith did the 12 year old, and I'll just give you the end of the story. This is a, what do they call that when they said this is a, um, if you haven't seen the movie, this is a, no, this is a spoiler. This is the spoiler, okay? The spoiler is the 12 year old gets healed. But how much faith did the 12-year-old have when Jesus healed her? None. And whenever we think that that God needs great faith to do what he does, we've missed it. God doesn't need anything to do what he does. He often rewards faith, but his power is sovereign to his own choice and will. But, But there was a combination here. This woman came to him. And not only did she get well physically, but she got well spiritually. And here's the point I want to make. Jesus healed some people, but they didn't really get saved. But this woman came. She was healed physically, but she was healed spiritually. And we get this in verse 47 where he says, She had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And in verse 48... And he said to her, "Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace." But the word for well here is not the more typical word for well. It's uh, it's the word sozo in the Greek, which is almost all the time used in relation to salvation. You could translate this well this way: "Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace." So when when Jesus completely heals, he heals not only on the outside but he heals on the inside. And that was the greater miracle here. And it's interesting, too, that the the tenderness of Jesus. This is the only time, I don't know if you're ever fascinated, are, are there places in the Bible where it's only expressed a certain way once? And it's only said once, why it was only said once, and what's the context of the one time it was used? This is the only time where Jesus addresses a woman and calls her daughter. And so what what he did here, I think symbolically, was saying, look at you have been ostracized from the religious world. Your own people won't let you go to the synagogue and the temple because you're unclean. You're not part of the family, the covenant people of God. Let me tell you right now, you are a part of the covenant people of God. You are a true Israelite, not on the outside but on the inside. You are a daughter of the king. And really, that's how we ought to see ourselves if we know Jesus, is that we are, we are sons of God, we're daughters of God. God probably ministered her as much as the healing. Because physical pain is a challenge to, to handle and to go through life with. But rejection, deep rejection the scars remain. He now called this one who no one called daughter, daughter, because God brought her into his family. So what do we see with with Jesus with people? We see Jesus with people in that sometimes the crowds rejected him, sometimes they welcomed him. We also see that Jesus was very aware of the individuals and he would reach out to the individuals and even the ones that we're more, more likely not to address him, but he, he would have, have time for, for them. We would see that Jesus could be interrupted, and sometimes that's the last thing we want to be, but sometimes that's a divine appointment from God that he wants us to take advantage of. And we see that when Jesus met the need of people, it was powerful and complete. But we get back to this, this one who first came to Jesus, Jairus, and I'm sure he is just struggling with all that's going on. Jesus, could, couldn't you just put this off? She's been like this for 12 years. She can wait a few more days, right? And so how does Jesus deal with that? And what can we learn from that? You know, what Jesus with people, and this continues on today, Jesus was on time even when people did not think he was on time, and he, always, he, he was capable of doing the impossible. And we all have to admit that we, we think that God sometimes is not quite on time. We, we think He sh- could have done it earlier rather than later. And if we're still waiting, we're wondering, God, are you aware this is a crucial need for me or my loved ones? And, and let's be honest, we don't know everything that God is going to do in the present or in the future. And sometimes God answers our prayers with no. And sometimes he answers those prayers with yes. And then often he has that middle role. He says simply, I want you to what? Wait. This is one of those wait situations. And he wanted Jairus and everyone else to know, including us, that he's on time. And what needs to be done will be done. And he can do the impossible. We don't have to put him in a cage. Well, if you don't do it now, it can't happen. God can make anything happen because with man... Things are impossible with God. All things are possible. So in verse 49, we have th- this part of the story that we pick up. While he was still speaking, this is Jesus, someone came from the house of the synagogue, official, saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Which is a, a simple way to say Jesus is too late. It's just, it's just too late. It's, it's all over. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. And I was talking to Matt the other day. I think they were in Chicago, and they were on some highway or whatever it was, and, and something rushed by them, and I don't think I've ever experienced this, but it was an SUV, and it was an organ transplant vehicle. Now think about this for a moment. I guess on a human level... A vehicle that has an organ transplant had better get there, what, on, on time? Because you can, have, you can have the solution, but if it doesn't get there at the need, needed moment, it, it won't bring life to that which is close to death. But Jesus is much beyond an organ transplant vehicle, rushing to get to the place of destination. And so he he tells Jairus, don't be afraid. He's filled with fear and despair and possibly anger and despondency. But he says, only believe. Now, I just want to make this simple point. Jairus had already believed because he had to go to great lengths to go see Jesus when it was not necessarily a popular thing for him to do among his crowd. He had to face the crowd to get to him, and he had to beg him and implore him to get his attention and so he had already demonstrated faith but what he said is okay and, and really this is kind of a nuance in the original language only keep on believing it's in the present tense here only continue to believe and this not this is where we're at sometimes do you believe i believe well how about right now do you believe I, I know you believe that jesus is your lord and savior but whatever you're going through right now are you believing now because faith needs to be in the present tense. Whatever faith we had yesterday is, get, is really not going to help us too much. What today, unless we continue to believe. So continue to believe, and she will be made well. Verse 51. When he came to the house, Jesus he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and James and uh, and Peter John and James. Which is interesting. The first time that he has excluded the others. There's two other times we know in the text uh, throughout the Gospels that they're excluded and. Uh, we won't go to those this morning, but uh, this is a this is time where he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour my life into three guys here, Peter, James, and John, Peter, John, and James. Uh, so they really get it. And, and the girl's father and mother. Now, they were all weeping and lamenting for her, but he said, stop weeping, for she has not died but is asleep. Now, the interesting thing about here, you need to understand that Jewish funerals are a little bit different than our funerals. Our funerals, there might be some somberness in them, uh, and usually the music is a little bit uh, not quite rock and roll uh, at most funerals. Uh, But here, uh, the funerals were just loud and crazy. They would actually hire professional lamenters to come in and, and cry a lot. I mean... When I die, I want you all crying when I die. I want you to make really sure you miss me. I mean, th- th- you know, that was kind of the, the symbol, okay? We want people really thinking the person who left is, is important, so we'll make sure people not only crying with, you know, sobs, but just yelling and screaming. And so it was just chaotic there. But they responded to what Jesus said. Okay, look at you guys got it all messed up. She hasn't died, she's asleep. And began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. Now, in our story here, we, we got a couple of reactions from people that aren't what you would call on the positive side. One, he was rejected. Another, he was laughed at. You ever had that experience? I don't mean because you told a joke or you did something kind of silly to kind of provoke somebody's response. I mean people were laughing at you like something's wrong with you. Here is the Son of God, and people are laughing at him because they don't think he knows what's going on. And he began laughing at him. verse 54. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Well, what do we have here? Well, we have Jesus giving a picture of really what, what happens when this life ends. He says, she's just asleep. Now, does that mean we believe in soul sleep? No, that's not what he's saying here. The Bible says that to be absent from the body, should so be present with the Lord. He said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say you're going to sleep for an extended period of time. It's not soul sleep, but there's a body sleep. Where our soul is, is, uh, Inside of, it, it will go to sleep until God gives a resurrection of the physical body. But she says, "Look at, she has been separated from her body, but, but that's only a, that body is asleep, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up that body by bringing the spirit or soul of this little girl back to her body. And, and see, the creator of life can do that. And actually, one of the reasons Jairus had faith even before his daughter had died, he had already heard just 20 miles away in the city of Nain that that Jesus had taken. Remember that story of the. it wasn't the only daughter, it was the only son of that widow? And he had given life to her son. And so he could continue to believe because whatever had happened, he had already done it before. And he raises her Body from the dead that was just sleeping and brought back the spirit. Now, what's 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 the what's the thing we want to really hold on to as we think about Jesus being on time, even when other people think and even us don't think He's on time, that He can do the impossible? Is that this is this is where we live? In Hebrews chapter four verse sixteen, it says this: Let, let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, which is which is a poetic way to say, let's keep showing our faith to God by, by praying and talking with Him. Go to His place of presence, manifest presence, and speak with Him. That we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in what? Time of need. And let, let's just be humble about it. W- what is grace? Grace is, is uh, getting what you don't deserve and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. This is where Jairus was. He, he had no reason to say, you must heal my daughter. We don't come to God by naming it and claiming it. We ask for God's sovereign will to be done and His mercy and grace to be manifest in whatever we're going through. And He can give us, in whatever way He so chooses to do so, either the strength to go through what we're going through or to eliminate what we're going through. He can give us help in time of need, which is gracious and merciful. So what's the so what this morning? H- how is Jesus with you? Is he, uh, he's, he there for you in time of need and do you... Trust him that he will always be with you in time of need? Do you sometimes feel like you're getting lost in the crowd and he doesn't have time for you as an individual? Do you feel maybe a limit that, you, that, that your, your issue is not as important as somebody else's issue? There's some interesting contrast just of the two people, the, the woman and, and Jairus. You have a, a man versus a woman. You have a rich person. With probably a poor woman. You you have someone in um, who is a religious leader and the other is a rejected outcast. You have, interesting here, someone with a time-bound need and someone with a ongoing need. And, and Jesus figures it all out, doesn't he? He doesn't give preference to Ones that maybe we think he might give preference to. He reaches down and touches in his timing with the need of the moment. So, my challenge for all of us this morning is as we leave this place, is that we might recognize that Jesus is pretty good with people. And if he's pretty good with people in the pages of Scripture, he can be pretty good with you and the people you care about. Let's pray. Father, you want us not only trust you to put our faith in the present tense that we're believing now for whatever we're going through or what we might go through in the future or whatever we're still wrestling with that's in our past or what we're struggling with in our present and and believe that that you are there in time of need with grace and mercy, whatever that will manifest itself in. And even at times we don't think you're on time, you always are on time. But, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, might they just see that there's a step you must take to know Jesus, and it begins with admitting your your need and turning from your sin. Believing that Jesus Christ died and rose again on our behalf and paid the penalty for our sins, and then commit. Commit just like Jairus had to do, to to go to Jesus, to follow him, and believe in him and trust in him. And, Father, help us to be the kind of people who want to get this unbelievable but believable message out to people in need